Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can learn more about the vision or give financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. What's up, Awaken Church? I'm so glad that you have decided to uh, worship with us today. And uh, if you're just tuning in, you have you've come into the middle of a series called Heart and Soul. And uh, this series is really examining our core values as a church, why we believe what we believe, why we do what we do. And uh, several weeks ago, we launched it with, uh, while we gather for worship, we believe that we gather together for worship, both vertically and horizontally. I would encourage you to go back and listen to that message from two weeks ago. Last week, uh, I talked about the value of how we grow in our faith through relationships. Uh, the primary vehicle for that being our small groups. If you're not already connected to a small group, uh, I can't stress how important it is for you to do that. And I just want to celebrate this past week. We had dozens of people get signed up for small groups for the very first time. They're launching out in September, September 13th. They'll be launching back in person. And I'm so excited to see those get started. And today what I want to do is, is teach and preach on the topic of giving. We believe that we give generously of our time, talent, and treasure. And I want to talk specifically today about the treasure aspect of giving. I want to talk about why it's important that we give financially and we tithe and we give generously to the Lord and to his house because God's word has so much to say about that. And I want to look at a story in the gospel of John, John chapter 12, uh, where we, he, we get to see a story where there was extravagant giving, so much so that Jesus called it out and John, his best friend, the disciple John, remembered to tell us about it. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Now, I know right when I start talking about money, some of you cringe. Uh, it creates a little bit of uneasiness. Uh, oftentimes as a pastor, the, the topic of money or giving can, can seem overwhelming. It can seem intimidating. Uh, and some people will shy away from preaching on money because it can be offensive. It's weird how finances are kind of a personal thing for all of us. But I want you to know at Awaken Church, we've talked about giving since day one. We've talked about money since day one. In fact, this church planted seven years ago, when we first started out, we, we had no money. I, in fact, like when, when we first started Awaken Church, there was about $6,500 in the bank account. Now, most church planting experts will tell you that you need like $150,000 to $200,000 in the bank so that you can secure staff and secure lease agreements and get the equipment necessary for church. Y'all, we had none of that stuff. And uh, I was just reflecting this past week about some of our early days and how we just started services in an elementary school gym. And uh, Ben Lennerud and Andrew Kerr, our worship leaders, like they, they, they just scrapped and got by. I remember after services, we would pass the buckets for the offering. And uh, after the service, we would break everything down. And Andrew at the time was commuting from Columbia and we'd throw Andrew some gas money just to get him back up so he could take classes the next week before coming back the following Sunday. And we just kind of did what we needed to do to get by. And I think about those early days and how on Sundays talking about giving and the importance of the offering and trying to encourage people to give generously back to the Lord, his house and his work. And, and how that has shaped really the culture of giving 
at Awaken Church. And so many of you right now listening, you give so faithfully. You tithe so faithfully to the Lord's house. But some of you, and you're the ones that are cringing right now, you haven't taken that step of obedience quite yet. And what I want to see is that there's, there's really two different people listening this morning. There's two audiences that are listening to this message right now. And, and that's the group of people that give, and you're really excited that I'm teaching about it today. You're like, yes, come on, preacher, encourage me in my giving. Like you, You've seen the benefits and the blessings of what God's done in and through your life as you've given, and you also feel more a part of what he's doing through his church. But then there's the other group of people, and you haven't started giving yet, and you already feel a sense of like guilt or maybe shame, and you're going, God, I really wish you wouldn't talk about giving. I wish you would talk about something else. And here's, here's my hope for both groups this morning. First of all, our God is not a God of guilt and shame. So those feelings are not coming from him. And if you've yet to take a step of giving, my hope today is that through this story, you would be encouraged to look at your life and examine all that God's done for you and maybe change your attitude and perspective to where you do begin giving toward his kingdom. And for those of you who have been giving and you're faithful, man, today, I pray that you're encouraged to continue in that work. And, and maybe for you, you, you need to take a step back and go, hey, I need to increase this area of generosity in my life. I need to increase in the area of giving. Maybe you set up your online giving three years ago and God's blessed you and your career has taken off, but you have not increased your tithe as you've increased your income. All right. So, so I'm stepping on everybody's toes this morning. But I want to look at a story, John chapter 12. Where, where we find John witnessed something that made a tremendous impact on him. So much so in all the teachings of Jesus, in everything that he did in his earthly ministry, John decided to record this story for us and, and highlight this specific story as, uh, to illustrate for us what generosity actually looks like. So let me read it for us. John chapter 12, verse 1. This is what we find. Now, six days before the Passover... Jesus, therefore, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was. Lazarus was whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for Jesus there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those that was reclining with him at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard, and she anointed the feet of Jesus, and she wiped his feet with her hair. Now the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, the one who was about to betray Jesus, Judas said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? And he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to whatever was put into it. So Jesus said to Judas, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but you do not always have me. Jesus and this family had an incredibly close relationship. In fact, if you were to go through the Gospels, obviously Jesus had a close relationship with his disciples. Even within the group of 12 disciples, there were three, Peter, James, and John, that he was incredibly close with. But outside of that group of disciples, This family is probably the one that he was most closely associated with. Maybe you remember in the Gospels the story of um, Jesus visiting their home. He's passing through and he he sits down in the living room. 
And we find the story where Jesus is talking with Mary, right? They're, they're in the living room hanging out and they're having conversations and Mary's just kind of sitting Indian style listening to what Jesus is saying. They're in there just hanging out and, and Martha's working in the kitchen, right? Like she's making the meal, she's cleaning up the house and Martha comes to Jesus and says, hey, uh, Jesus, can you tell Mary to help me out? Like I need some help and she's just kind of lazy in here and Jesus looks at Martha and says, Martha, Martha, listen. Like there's always gonna be work to be done but Mary... Mary's chosen the best thing. Mary's spending time with me. And it's a beautiful uh, story and really a reminder that we need to spend time with Jesus. It's not about doing things for Jesus, but spending time with Jesus. Then there's another story where Jesus is actually out on mission. He's out leading in ministry and, and he gets noticed that Lazarus is incredibly sick, right? The sisters, Mary, Martha, sisters of Lazarus, They sent word to Jesus and said, look, Lazarus is sick. We need you to come and like heal him, come and care for him. Jesus doesn't respond immediately. In fact, he doesn't drop everything he's doing and go to their home. He waits. And when he finally shows up a couple days later, he's greeted with the sisters crying. They're weeping because their brother Lazarus had died. And it's in that moment that we find the story of Jesus actually weeping too. He cried with them. Like he loved Lazarus. Lazarus was his friend. This family was like his friends. And he he gets there and he realizes Lazarus has passed away and everybody's grieving. He's literally walked into a funeral. And the story of Jesus goes into Lazarus and speaks over his dead body and tells Lazarus to get up. And he raises his friend back to life. It's an incredible miracle. And now here we are. Jesus is going to Jerusalem. Six days after this particular account, Jesus will be on the cross. But Jesus stops in at their house. And when he stops in at their house, he decides to have a meal and he's got his disciples with him, including Judas. So Jesus and his entourage of 12 disciples show up at the house. Of course, Martha gets to work and puts a dinner together and serves the spread. A meal in those days would have been, you know, two to three hours They would have been reclining back at a table, hanging out, talking. It was definitely a social gathering. And it's in the middle of this dinner that Mary does something that struck John as incredibly profound, and it left an impact on him to where he told the story not only here, but I imagine it being told all throughout the early church in the New Testament book of Acts. See, there's certain moments for all of us that when we see something different, when we see something profound, when we see something extravagant, it just, it captures our, our attention and we aren't able to forget it. I think about my daughter, Brooklyn. Many of y'all know Brooklyn. If you follow, follow me on social media, you see me celebrate the heck out of Brooklyn. Uh, she's six years old. She is a firecracker, cutest thing on the planet. I give her anything that she wants. And uh, last week, it was my wife, Ashley's birthday. I actually turned 29 again. Every year, she just turns 29. We promised a couple years ago we're not going to let her get uh, into her 30s. So she turned 29 again, and, and, and in our house, that's a big deal, right? Like all the kids celebrate, they're excited about her birthday. And so we woke up the morning of her birthday, and Ash and I were downstairs having coffee. And we can hear Brooklyn get up and like the pitter-patter of her feet, and she comes down the stairs, and she knows what day it is. She comes down the stairs and kind of looks our way. Her hair is all a mess. But she's got something in her hand. She's carrying this like big container. Now, I knew that I'd not taken her shopping for a present. I didn't take her to get something for her mom, right? Like, 
I know that Ashley had not shopped for herself. And so Brooklyn's carrying something and she takes a left off of the stairs to go to my office. And we can hear her get the scissors and get the scotch tape. You can hear her with some wrapping paper. And we're just kind of letting her be in there, you know, curious, what in the world does she have? What is she about to give in terms of a present to Ashley? It's about 10 minutes later and she comes into the living room and she's carrying this big package and says, mommy, I got you a present. And I'm just like, this is going to be amazing. She's like wrapped the bunny up and put it in there or something. Who knows what she's about to give to her mom. Ashley gets the, the present and opens it up. And as she opens it up, it's this huge like plastic container and inside are some of Brooklyn's most valuable possessions, right? Like there's a $5 bill in there, which is like huge to a six-year-old, right? Some of you are like, some of your college students are like, that's huge to me. What are you talking about? That's an entire meal, right? But there's a $5 bill in the container. There's this like rock that's crystallized. It's something that Brooklyn loves. It sits on her, uh, her nightstand. It's in there. There's other things in there. And Ashley's like picking through it going, babe, I can't take this stuff. This is, this is yours. And Brooklyn's like, no, I want you to have it. It's your birthday. And I'm sitting there going, you know what? There is not a present on the planet that I could buy Ashley that would top the generosity of my daughter, Brooklyn. Like she gave everything that she saw valuable in her room. She like grabbed it, put it in that box and gave it to her mom. And I don't think I'll ever forget that. Like the idea of like, that's what giving really looks like. And it wasn't like her giving it going, I can't wait to get it back. It's like, no, I want you to have the best of what I have because I love you that much. What happens in this story and what John is showing us is that that's what Mary does at this meal. Right, like that's, that's what takes place. As they're eating dinner on this night, right, Martha starts cleaning up again. Martha just never learned her lesson. She was the housekeeper. She stayed busy. Some of y'all are the same way. But, but Mary's sitting at the dinner table and something clicked in Mary's mind and in her heart where she decided, I, 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 need, I need to anoint Jesus now. I need to give him a gift now and not just any gift, but an incredibly generous gift gift. And she gets up from the table. I would imagine she goes to her room and she grabs this container of ointment. And this ointment, you know, from what we find is it's about a year's wages of of, uh, finances that it would have cost to buy this particular ointment. And what we find Mary do is she gets down on her knees and begins to just pour this on the body and feet of Jesus and then wipes his feet with her hair. It's this incredibly humbling act of worship before Jesus in the midst of all these disciples and the people who are at the meal. And when she does that, Judas of all people, Judas speaks up and criticizes her worship. And he says, why not just, why don't you just sell that off and the money that you would have gotten from it, we could give it to the poor, right? Like he's criticizing her worship. He's essentially saying you're wasting what Money could have been given to the poor. Mary's worshiping, but Judas says it's a waste. And if you're wondering what the sermon title is today, that's the title of the sermon, right? Some call it waste. I call it worship. When it comes to giving, some call it waste. I call it worship. Because as as you sit and listen today, there's really two mentalities when it comes to giving financially to Jesus. When we talk about tithing, when we talk about giving financially, there's two different mentalities. The first 
is waste. The second is worship. The first, Judas had a mindset of waste. Why would I give financially? Why would we give anything in worship when practically I can do so many other things with that money? And see what we find in in verse uh, six, we find exactly why Judas said what he said. In fact, John, John wrote this after the fact, right? After the resurrection and uh, after Judas betrayed Jesus and Judas hung himself. John writes this long after that and he, he tells us this story and he said, Judas speaks up and says, why didn't you sell it and let's give the money to the poor? And in verse six, John says, look, Judas said this not because he cared about the poor. Like Judas didn't care about the poor. Judas was using the poor as a cover up. He didn't, he didn't care about the poor He said this because he was a thief and he was in charge of the money bag and he used to help himself that was put into it. In other words, John says, look, Judas speaks up and says, you should have sold the ointment and put the money in the money bag, not to give it to the poor, but so that I could have it. Like the spirit of waste when it comes to giving is the spirit of greed and and of selfishness, right? Of entitlement. Can you imagine Judas as, he went town to town with the disciples. People would give money, give, give finances to help support the ministry and the mission of Jesus, Jesus. And what John tells us is that Judas every now and then would just take some and keep it for himself. He would pocket it for himself. He would rob the ministry for himself. Can I just tell you that the same thing happens today? Like you could very well be robbing the ministry as well. And you, you go, well, how, how, how are you accusing me of doing that? Like, how in the world does that happen? And in and, and Malachi chapter three in the Old Testament, the people of God ask the very same thing. In fact, in Malachi chapter three, like they're not really experiencing the blessing of God. They're in disobedience and God speaks to his people. And he says, you have been robbing me. And the people of God say, wait a minute, like how have we robbed you? We would never rob you, God. Like wh- why would you accuse us of robbing you? And God says, This is how you've robbed me in your tithes and offerings. See, God commanded his people that when they gathered the produce, right? When they went and gathered the fields, that 10% of whatever they took in needed to be given to his house. That's a tithe. The word tithe literally means 10%. And the people of God had become self-sustaining. They had had a lot of abundance. And so they started to realize, you know what? We don't really need God anymore. And they didn't give to God. They weren't tithing anymore. And so God took his hand of blessing off his people. So you may be sitting here today realizing that, man, maybe I'm not experiencing the blessing of God because I'm not walking in the obedience with God. I haven't been tithing from what God's been providing for me. Maybe you have an incredible job and maybe you become self-sustaining, so to speak. And, but as you watch this right now, you, you're not giving at all to the Lord. You haven't set up online tithing. You haven't set up any kind of automated giving during COVID over the last six months. And, and maybe what you're realizing is that, man, that's actually not only disobedience, but it's active robbing God of what's rightfully his. See, we don't believe that tithing is a suggestion from God. We believe it's a mandate from God's word and tithing was affirmed by Jesus. See, I, I want to encourage you, if you're watching right now and you go, man, I, I've not ever really trusted God with the tithe. I've not trusted God with my finances. Can I encourage you to take a step of obedience? 
Because it's so possible to be so familiar with Jesus or so familiar with the Bible or so familiar with church that we kind of just cruise past this topic of giving. It's so personal, right? Like people don't really know. You don't tell people what you give. You shouldn't tell people what you give. But y'all, God knows exactly what it is that we give. God knows the motivations of our heart. The same way my daughter gathered up the best of what she had and put it before her mom. Listen, when God calls us to give, he says, look, I want you to give the first 10% of whatever your income is, the best of what you have, the first fruits of what it is that I give you. I want you to give that back to me. That's what tithing actually is. See, Judas had a spirit of waste and what waste says is, why would I give that money to the church or why would I give that money to God? Do you know what I could do with that? Right, like, Do you know what I could do with that 10% if I kept it to myself? You know, that I could control it and I could do some good things and I could provide for people and I could manage my money. Spirit of waste says, I'm in charge. Where spirit of worship says, no, God's in charge. And I'm gonna give it to him and I'm gonna trust him with everything that I have. Judas had a spirit of waste. And maybe as you're listening right now, you find yourself going, you know what? I would never actually call it that. But those same characteristics are how I view my own finances. I want to manage them. I want to steward them. I know what's best. I'm not giving anything to the church or to the Lord. Can I just encourage you to change that mentality today? To fall more in line with the mentality of Mary. Because Mary in this story had the spirit of worship. Now this is important because when we start talking about giving, sometimes it can be, uh, feel kind of cold, right? Like you set up automated giving, Right, or in, in, in worship, whenever we do have in-person worship and the buckets pass, you may feel like that's kind of cold, like just putting a check in, like how is that actual worship? But I want to remind us today that worship always comes from a place of gratitude and it's a matter of the heart, right? Because you give, giving always flows out of gratitude. And when we see Mary in this story, verse one tells us exactly why Mary did what she did. Verse one tells us exactly why Mary was overcome with gratitude. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Now, I know sometimes we read over like stories in the Bible and we're like, oh, that's cool. Like Jesus raised him from the dead. But y'all listen, at the dinner on this night, Jesus walks in with his disciples and there's Lazarus. The last time Jesus walked in and saw Lazarus, he was in a tomb or he was in a coffin, right? Like Jesus is showing up, they're sitting there at the table and Lazarus is one of the dudes laying there reclining at the table with all the disciples. And I just imagine that scene, like they're telling stories and they're laughing. Jesus was, you know, he was a guy, he was a dude. I imagine telling stories about things that had happened and maybe they're sitting there in that moment and they're recalling, uh, hey, Lazarus, you remember when you were dead? Like that was crazy, right? Remember when you came back and like had to like, we had done wrap you and stuff. Like I just, in my mind, I think about a bunch of guys telling stories about an incredibly pivotal moment in the life of Lazarus. And at that table is Mary, Mary, who is his sister. And I just have this vision of like Mary listening to these stories and this realization that here's Jesus, the son of God, who was on the way to the cross And he had raised her brother up from the dead and now he's going to the cross himself. And what Mary does in this moment is gets up from the table and she goes and grabs this anointing perfume. 
And you go, why would she be storing this up? Why would she have this tucked away in her room? See, that perfume, that anointing perfume, that ointment would be reserved typically to be put on a dead body. When someone would, were to die, the way that you would care for and prepare and honor their body would be to anoint that body with this ointment. Yet here Jesus is alive, but Mary anoints him anyway. See, what it tells me is that Mary saw something and knew something about Jesus that was different, maybe even than some of the ones who were at the table. Because six days later, Jesus goes to the cross. Mary wouldn't get the chance to anoint Jesus at that time. We know that Jesus goes to the cross for the sins of humanity. He's beaten, he's bloody, he hangs, his body dies, and then he is pulled down from the cross and put in the tomb. And Mary would have stood at a distance while that happened. But here she is a week out from that occasion, and she worships Jesus by doing what? Anointing him and seeing him for who he truly is. Why? Because it's coming from a place of gratitude. She's grateful for what Jesus has done in her life. Grateful for what he's done in the life of her brother, Lazarus. Grateful for who he is and all that he's taught and all that he's about to do. See, worship, when it comes to giving, is really about gratitude. Generosity flows from gratitude. And so I gotta ask you today, as you consider your approach to giving, as we consider our approach to giving, what are you grateful for? What are you thankful for? See, COVID and this really five, six month season has forced a lot of us to really think about uh, our lives and what we actually do have, right? When, 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 when freedom, so to speak, gets pulled away and you can't go out to eat all the time or you can't go to a movie or maybe you can't travel or sports is off and essentially life gets whittled down to the bare minimum, it's really important to think about, man, what, what do I have? What has God given me? Maybe for you, you think about relationships that you have. Man, how grateful are you that you have that spouse, those kids, those friends, that small group? How grateful are you for your job? Man, in a season where so many people lost their jobs or got laid off, how grateful are you that you still have a place to work, you still get to do what you feel like God's called you to do, you still have a means of income. How grateful are you for your health? While I know several people within our church during this season that have gotten COVID, I'm so grateful to stand here and say, I don't know of one within our church that's lost their life. Praise God for that. How grateful for you or are you for the church community that God has given us together that has prayed for one another and cared for one another? How grateful are you that uh, you're expecting a child now when you've been praying for that child? How grateful are you for, for now holding that child that you once prayed for? How grateful are you like for the things that God has given you when you think about all that you have to be grateful for? Does it compel you to worship? Does it compel you to give? Mary sat at the dinner and was overcome with gratitude. And so overcome that she got up and did something about it. Can I just say, maybe for some of you today, it's time right now to just log off the service and start giving. Maybe today you don't need to hear another worship song. You don't need to hear me preach another verse. You don't need to hear anything else. You've heard enough. It's time for you to start giving right now. You need to get up, literally emotionally, 
get up, leave this service and start giving to Jesus right now. Maybe you just log off, hit the button, give now, and and you set up your online giving and you begin tithing because God's calling you to give out of the gratitude that's in your heart for all that he's done for you. Maybe for you, you're already giving, but you don't tell anybody what God's done for you. And today you need to celebrate some gratitude, right? Like maybe right now in the threads, you just need to go into those comments and say what you're grateful for, the people that you're grateful for, the kids you're grateful for, the job you're grateful for, the health that you're grateful for. Maybe you just need to start giving God some credit for all that he's done in your life right? Like gratitude flows out of our hearts. And when we have gratitude, what happens is we remove entitlement from our lives because we recognize, and this is what giving does for us. Giving helps us remember that everything that we have, we did not earn. We do not deserve, but all that we have is ultimately from him. And when we see all that we have as from him, it's incredibly easy to give back to him what's rightfully his. Y'all, that is what giving actually is. Mary on this day gave and she gave generously. And when the spirit of waste in Judas condemned her, Jesus defended her. He tells Judas, I want you to leave her alone because you'll always have the poor to take care of Judas, but me, you won't always have. And what ultimately he's saying in that statement, Mary sees me for who I truly am. And what I want to encourage you with today is church, when we see Jesus for who he truly is, when we recognize all that he has done for us, giving is a natural overflow of that understanding. And giving generously should be our approach and our attitude when we think about all that we can give back to him. Here's what I want to encourage you to do today. Those two mentalities, spirit of worship, spirit of waste, they're still present here today. And you're wrestling with one of them. Maybe, maybe you're watching right now and you recognize I need to start giving. Maybe you're watching right now and you've resented or even pulled back some giving. Can I just encourage you today? Step forward in obedience. Trust God with your finances. Give back to him what's his. I want to encourage you, even as you listen to this video of my, my friend Shannon, Shannon's going to share with you a little bit about her approach to giving and what generosity means to her and all God's done in her life. And maybe as you listen to this video, this testimony right now, of what God's done in Shannon's life, maybe, maybe you'll feel God calling you to start celebrating and telling others what he's done for you. And then coupled with that, you'll give accordingly as well. So y'all check out this video, celebrate Shannon's story with me. Know that I love you and I'm praying for you and all of us as we continue to step forward in this area of generosity and giving as a church.